Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, Broads. Hi, Broads. I mean, here we are, and it's another week where um, ABC decided to just not have a goat. Bro, at this point, stop even airing them. Like, like are you going to commit? What's what? going on? <laughs> this is, it's, again, it's so on brand for 2020. Like, you're just going to randomly... And I thought... I watched the end of Jason Mesnick's episode and at the very end of the episode, they're like, well, our next goat episode, it will be Nick Vial's. And I was like, yes, we must bring on uh, the broad squad. Now official favorite game of roses, AKA bachelor clues. That's right, guys. And they're Pace coming Case. back on. They're coming back on for the Nick Vial. Sooner than, you thought. <laughs> sooner than we thought they have literal pages and pages of things that they need to say. And so we thought that's what, what today's episode was going to be. Well, turns out they didn't clarify. Thanks, Chris Harrison on the uh, goat episode that indeed it's not until two weeks from now. Yeah, there's just no goat episodes airing for the next two weeks. So it's like, all right, I guess it's I think it's September 1st or August 31st that it airs. But it's like, okay, so just now randomly for two weeks, there's no goat episodes. I don't know. Mm, Doesn't make any sense. But I'm really excited to have them back on. I'm thrilled. I feel like we maybe they don't feel this way about us, but I feel like there's a soul connection. I was like, I felt like I touched the hand of God. (laughs) I did too. I felt very like I felt jarred in all the best ways. Yeah, I also felt validated because I was like, "Wow, it's someone understands." Like, yes, it's like more so than I do. Even oh, the, someone is enlightened. So so enlightened, and I think I think they felt that way too. It was so interesting. By the way, Broads, if you haven't yeah listened to, to it's our it's uh, labeled Major Bachelorette Theory and Becca play overview or something like that you have to listen to it game of roses podcast and i felt that way in general with both of our episodes like i felt i know we didn't discuss um mike johnson because we were talking to him the whole time but mike johnson is it was was, that was also a great episode i mean he's so wonderful yeah he was so much fun to talk to and i felt like i got so much more dimension of him as a person that i hadn't gotten from the show Mm -hmm. and when you podcast and you podcast with lots of guests like we do it's funny you know within five seconds if there's like some sort of connection Mm -hmm. and i felt that way with both of our guests last week the game of roses felt connected and then mike immediately was like oh we could talk to you for hours because sometimes you get somebody on and even if they're wonderful and great, there's just not maybe that, that that jive, that jive, that connection. And you feel like you're kind of like, all right, let's keep yeah. creating this conversation versus Mike. I was like, oh, my God, we have so many more questions that we could ask you. And we ended up talking about more top level stuff because you were just so fun to just have a conversation with. Yeah, totally. It, it was I liked when we just sort of devolved into 
I use that word a lot. I don't know if I'm using it properly, but devolved into a conversation that wasn't like bachelor related. It was really yeah. fun to just chat about with him about like high school and his life and like yeah. that kind of stuff. And he's way more, his energy is way more calm than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And my level of attraction continued to rise. So all I'm saying is I kind of, yeah, I wasn't like so sure about him after paradise actually. Not that I didn't like him or anything. I was just like, oh, I'm not sure. And I really liked him after this interview. So we love you, Mike. Um, um, so today we thought because they bailed on goat episodes, we'll probably do Jason Mesnick's recap that we skipped next week. But we have some like pop culture tea. Shit has been hitting the fan lately. And yeah, some of it we are going to go over is kind of old news, but I don't care because I want to talk about it. Exactly. And then the big thing that that the catalyst that made us decide to do an episode just about like, you know, pop culture tea stuff was uh, Colton's interview with Reality Steve. Yeah, so should we just start there? Yes. Okay, so Colton, if you don't know, which I'm sure a lot of you know at this point, um, Reality Steve teased that he had some big guests coming on, and it was Colton, because Colton loves to spill that tea on me. <laughs> which it is kind of like, I was listening, and I was sort of felt like a weird pride for Reality Steve. I have no idea why I felt that way. I don't know the guy. <laughs> but I was just like, wow, look at you. Like, yeah. He's been killing it lately. Seriously. Yeah, he's been getting on those big guests. Part of me thinks that maybe ABC is like going to open up more doors for him. Maybe realizing how important his piece is in this whole puzzle. Yeah. Also, like, I think that just in the age of social media, maybe contestants feel more comfortable coming on for some reason now, because I know he's definitely like super demonized by producers where they're just like, don't talk to that guy. (laughs) He's the worst. He's a piece of shit kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, do they really? They hype you. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Where it's like, no, do not like even give him the time of day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Or like, I remember I tweeted about reality, Steve. This is obviously not very long after um, RE season aired and a, um, one of the producers texted me and was just like yo like you should take that down like we don't want to give him publicity for like the shitty work that he does basically. oh my god did you do you feel like your stomach drop when the producers would call no because they were like I you know we were close oh okay we were friends and I but I also knew that it was their job to like check us okay you want to know oh shit I have some tea about about my season some big tea what? With Crystal. Do you want to hear about this? I mean, is that a question? Please. I can't believe I forgot about this until now. I wish Game of Roses was here. <laughs> we'll have to catch them up when we chat next time. Okay, so get this. I know I've talked about this part before, how for the first couple weeks of filming, I was friends with Crystal. Like, yeah. she and I would have, you know, private conversations and stuff. And I thought she was pretty funny, like, in private. Because yeah. she would just be like bitch, you know, at the end, it's just going to be me and you, the final two. And I was like, I love this energy. Like, I thought it was so hilarious. (laughs) This let's take everyone down energy. Yeah. And she would also be like, I spent $300 on this bottle of rose essential oil. Like, let me put some on your feet. And I'd be like, yes. (gasps) Oh, my God. She was like all obsessed with her essential oils. Yeah. And And she was sharing them. Yeah. And I thought she was kind of funny. I I liked her. And I thought it was kind of hilarious. Like, you know, remember when she said, I don't know if you remember this, but she was like, I won't go on a motorcycle because like, it's not if you get in an accident, it's when. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It is true. It's some hot, she was hot just knowledge like, that she dropped. She was just talking shit on Becca's date with him. Just like, I would never get on a <laughs> motorcycle. I was like, well, Idiots. and I think someone, it, 
someone was like, well, you didn't get the date. So it's a good thing. Like, <laughs> Lucky for you, you don't have to get on the back of it. <laughs> anyway, so we were like friends during that time. And then after the season, after the season filmed, I can't remember what happened. Like maybe she called and apologized or like we talked or something. Um, and it was my birthday, February 10th. You remember you went to my birthday party that yes, year. Yes, I did. And it, so this is in the middle of airing. Uh, and we had kind of like made up. And I invited her to my birthday party. Okay. And I invited I, the other girls yes, too. I invited were, like Kendall, Cien, Crystal. Yes. I invited a lot of girls from my season, just whoever I thought could actually make it and be in LA. Sure, sure. And some came. Well, the producers called one of them. I don't even remember who. And they were like, hey, like we heard that you, and I invited some of them to my birthday party too. They're like, I heard that you you invited Crystal. Like we don't think, like we don't want you to invite her to your birthday party. And I was like, why? Oh, I was so pissed. I was like, why? And they're like, well, we heard you're like going roller skating or whatever. And like, that's going to be in public. And like, because of just like, you know, the narrative of the show, it's not going to look right if you guys are like feuding on TV and then like photos release of you guys in public together. And I was just like, okay, but like, what about, okay, what about like when we're not at the roller skating rink? They're like, well, we can't tell you to like not invite her to your party, but like we strongly suggest it and like oh my god oh yeah and it was like and like this could potentially like maybe hurt your your possibility of like being on future shows and stuff like that which now i know is like bullshit obviously no they were just threatening (laughs) right and i was like okay i remember i think that's literally how i was saying i was like okay like i don't okay and so i called crystal you know and i think that they probably called her too and told her I don't really remember. It was a while ago. But I was just like, yeah, so like they don't want you to come, but like definitely come visit. But whatever. I guess did we she, just gotta. Did she understand? Yeah. I mean, like she knew what didn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. Like, every we all understood that at that point. Um, but yeah, so that's why she didn't. She was going to drive up from San Diego and everything and had like a birthday present for me and stuff. And like, yeah, so that's why she wasn't at my birthday party is because they basically like told her not to come. That's insane. Number one. Number yeah. two, I remember now that you're saying all this, I remember talking with you um, briefly and then talking with one of our friends who you had spoken to is at the party that the girls who were from your episode who were at the party were paranoid because yeah. of what the, your conversation with producers. Yeah. And so they were nervous to be like flirting with some of the boys that totally. were there because it was like, Oh my God, some of them were still like this. It was still airing. So it was like, okay, who is Ari potentially with? And if you see one of the girls, you know, holding hands, skating with one of the boys that it's going to get out. Oh my gosh. It's, I'd be so paranoid all the time. Yeah. And especially if you have producers calling you being like, I wouldn't invite Crystal. Yeah. Oh my God. Or they were basically point blank. Like we can't tell you not to, but don't. (laughs) So broads life insurance is one of those things in life that you probably really want to put off doing for one reason or another, but absolutely should not put off doing for me. The thought of trying to figure out the proper life insurance policies for my husband and myself 
couldn't be more intimidating or more confusing. And that is why I let the team at Policy Genius be my guide. Thank goodness for Policy Genius. It is an online insurance marketplace that is built and backed by a team of experts. They make shopping for insurance so easy, and that's huge because, like I said, it can be so confusing. And if there was ever one place that you can't afford to make mistakes, I'd say life insurance is that place. Uh, To get started is super simple. Just head to policygenius.com and in minutes you can work out exactly how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Then just apply for the policy that suits you and check this one out. Then the Policy Genius team will handle all, all the paperwork and red tape for you. Praise be. Okay. Not only does Policy Genius save you time, but you can also save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. And those savings add up quickly and they have the best customer service by a mile. Uh, so if you have any questions, you'll be fine. They've got 1,600 five star reviews on Google. My goodness. And it's a fact best customer service. So if you need life insurance, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. You could save $1,500 or more a year by comparing quotes on their marketplace. Policy Genius, policygenius.com. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Life, those lives are important. And speaking of life, sweet, precious life, let's talk about that sweet little precious life that is my kiddo, my precious daughter. Any parents out there? If you have kiddos at home, this might mean you're suddenly school shopping again, or maybe you are the school this year. And that alone is a huge shift. Uh, If you found yourself scrambling to come up with interactive ways to keep your children learning like myself, I am so excited to tell you again and again about KiwiCo. KiwiCo is the best. It's the all-inclusive package that delivers uh, learning-based activity sets right to your front door. The entire concept is age-based, meaning younger kids get crates that help build the foundation of play-based learning and older kids might get boxes focused on science and engineering or even design-based projects. From ages 0 to 14, there are projects specifically designed to teach new new concepts in engaging ways. And when KiwiCo says all-inclusive, they mean it. Every single thing you will need to complete the craft comes inside. Parents, that means no digging around for tape or glue and not being able to do that project you said you would do earlier and your child having a meltdown because you don't have one of those things. They have it all in the crate. This leaves you with zero stress and the freedom to enjoy and complete the crate as a family. Uh, I was shocked at just how much I enjoyed doing these projects with my daughter. And it's so rewarding to see her comprehend complex subjects in a way that's easy and fun for her. Our last box was neighborhood themed and we had so much fun playing and assembling it. She was at it for hours um, and hours after we even set it up. Uh, Getting her Kiwi Co-Crate delivered is truly Christmas at our house. I feel like you might have seen my Instagram stories of her screaming with pure joy when she sees those boxes arrive. Um, Kiwi Co. is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. Something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line uh, at kiwico.com slash chatty. Again, that's 30% off your first month plus free shipping at kiwico.com slash chatty. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash chatty. Well, listen, I mean, so anyway. the fact of the matter is this, B. I kept thinking about you when I was listening to this reality Steve Colton 
interview because of our conversation last week with Game of Roses where you were spilling some hot, hot tea. And now this where Colton was talking about the show and about the production involvement. And it's pretty crazy because I, you know, I do have to say I I saw people talking some major shit. On, on Colton on Colton about this interview with Reality Steve and granted really? like why well I saw all sorts of different things and granted I think that Colton I don't always like Colton's choices no it's not like Colton is you know um uh a spitting image of who I'd be like this is my best friend and I accept all of his choices yes. but I felt like in let's just say in general that this episode he went on and he was really frank and he even admitted to reality steve about the fact that why he had a lot of animosity towards reality steve that colton is very competitive and to him it was almost like who's gonna win this game a little bit between him and reality steve wanting to prove steve wrong um but he said a lot of the reasons that he had animosity for steve is because when steve would call out certain things about colton colton was like felt he came like face to face with a mirror and was like, yeah, it's true. Mm. And so it stirred up frustrations for totally. him. Totally. I think that I felt, um, I actually related to a lot of what Colton said in the episode. Mm-hmm. Big uh, Aquarius anxious energy for sure. Yeah. And I really like felt a lot of it. <laughs> Stuff that he was saying, um, mainly one of his biggest frustrations being like, people think that they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I feel, he said, you know, he's basically felt a lot that he was perceived incorrectly or like people didn't understand his like humor or this or yeah. that. And then also something that I wanted, he just spoke about when his season was airing, he was like heavily medicated during mm-hmm. that time, which I thought was interesting. And uh, also that is interesting because I was just curious about what his relationship with Cassie looked like immediately after filming. Yeah. Um, but he was just saying like, um, I can't I just it just made me think of after Ari's season aired I it's sort of this weird loop where like especially if you're someone who does enjoy being in the spotlight enjoys Mm -hmm. having attention you're like that's what the people want and then you do something and then it blows up and everyone's like what why would you say that and it's like because I thought this is what you wanted and then you just feel like shame and embarrassment and it's sort of like this weird loop and cycle that causes a lot of anxiety totally well and that's the thing too I feel like when you said that you were resonating with a lot of what Colton said the Aquarius anxious energy it's like he reminds me of you in that way where if you don't know you just like i'm assuming you know like not knowing him you give off both of you give off very like um big tough guy energy exactly yeah and but then you are you have anxieties and you feel anxious and worried about more than i ever thought that you'd be and are more sensitive way more sensitive yeah, than i and thought that you'd both be both of us really care about people's perceptions for sure yeah yeah um, and it's some, that's difficult to deal with and especially when you give off that energy so then people think like well they can take it <laughs> it's like no that's no well in colton's case too just going into the interview a little bit there was a lot of stuff that was really out of his control in all three seasons Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah in all three yeah and i think that he was one of the big things that stuck with me that he kept saying is he's like what i did like about it a lot is that he owned up he's like yes i put myself in this position yes i was on a reality tv show yes i made these certain decisions that led to this um but one of the big things is that how he then was known 
because of certain decisions after the fact. Like, okay, so Colton wants the good ratings. He's on it for the show, whatever. He goes, yeah, a lot of that's very true. But at the same time, he then there was this narrative that was spun with him where he was kind of like, I don't know if you remember um, after the show, like him being a diva and like blowing up and like lecturing other Bachelor Nation people like at some <laughs> at his charity event. Do you remember hearing about no. that? It was I remember it was like this big article where apparently he like went off and started lecturing a bunch of the Bachelor Nation people and kind of like lost it. Well, Reality Steve asked him about that and he said, well, right before that happened, he's like, by the way, this is when I'm on medication. I'm anxious because it's like while the show is finishing up airing and I just am feeling a lot of social anxiety. Um, He said, I was at this event for my charity, which means a lot to me. And he goes, and a woman came up directly to me and said something like, I'm going to be the one to take your virginity. And she said, he said, just grabbed his dick. And he said, I felt extremely like violated like, so violated <laughs> i felt so upset he's like i was he was upset about the fact that the show had you had fixated so heavily on his virginity um and he's like i he's like i recognize that i didn't make it really clear and that i was vague which i'm like that's completely like you don't owe anybody any sort of explanation but he was like i get then why people were like making guesses about all this shit he's like but because of that it just the show just created this narrative about him and it put him um, in a vulnerable position in that way. Yeah, and then when he all of a sudden is like, lec- you know, quote unquote, lecturing these other bachelor cast members and talking about production and not feeling safe, he's like, I, I didn't feel safe because I felt like time and time again, production is messing with me. They're messing with me. They're fucking with me. He's like, and now I'm off the show and I'm at my charity event and people are just fucking like grabbing my package, and I'm like, that's so. I mean. Yeah, that's not. It's so intense. It's so intense. Also, uh, I just kind of lost my train of thought thinking about that. But, oh, I wanted to make it clear that broads, I fucked up. I didn't realize that the reality, this is why Jess is explaining the interview to me. Uh, I thought the interview was going to be less than an hour. So started this morning on the way to recording. Two two and and a half hours long. It was very long. Um, It should have started yesterday, apparently. I would say the first half was kind of like... I mean, it was like whatever. It was mostly about all of his his relationship with Tia. He, was there anything we didn't already know about that? About the relationship with Tia? Um, it was. I mean, the biggest thing that I took away was actually that they're just really good friends. Okay, and that they had a really good relationship, and that they both like look out for each other. Oh, and cool. in that situation, he was upset at the producers for throwing Tia in twice during Becca's season. He said Tia and him had been fully communicative about like Tia was like. When they were starting to see each other, Tia was like, hey, if they choose me as the bachelorette, um, I'm going to do it, even though we're talking. And he's like, great, if I get cast, then I'm going to do it. Like, it it was very much an open, they they were just both having this, like, casual conversation about, or, like, casually seeing each other. Um, But then he was talking about then when she was on Paradise, um, you know, it's just a lot of the hands of the producers encouraging their relationship, even though, you know, a lot of it seemed more friend based. Um, but he does take responsibility for jumping then into the relationship with Tia because he's like, it was known to me, communicated with me that I was being looked out for The Bachelor and I couldn't be with her if I want to be The Bachelor. He's like, and I wanted to be The Bachelor and he's like, I had a lot of guilt. He's like, which is, I think, why you saw the shift after her and I like 
made it official and then he started to trip and he's like i take ownership for that that wasn't cool you know whatever got it um he's like but there was just so many voices of different people saying like you should do this you shouldn't do this you should do this and um but that was that was the biggest thing but 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 the biggest like portion of the first half of the interview i think was just more telling of how much production had had a hand in his life Mm. and how i think we forget often that colton went from being on the bachelor flying straight to paradise and then flying straight from paradise uh, or sorry to be on the bachelorette to paradise straight to being the bachelor i was just thinking about that because filming for the bachelorette goes basically straight through to because he went to hometowns on bachelorette right Mm -hmm. yeah i think so yeah and then got cut right after right after hometowns okay i think I'm pretty sure. Uh, definitely know he didn't make it to Fantasy Suites. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, back-to-back filming with Paradise. And then, yeah, with Paradise, it's like right after the finale of that, you're going to jump right into they filming. They started filming, yeah. Because they start filming in like August mm-hmm. or uh, early September. Yep. Wow. Yep. I really can't imagine. That is a lot well, he was of like, time. And he said, I was so tired. Yeah. He said, I was so Just- tired. And I was so... Um, like and i was so just over being messed with by, by my god that is four straight months if not slightly more of filming that's wild. that is a lot of your goddamn life and he said he didn't realize how famous he's like there was this yeah this I, level I of not that. realizing how famous you were because you've kind of been in this bubble for so long right i mean it's kind of a fucking trip it is a trip it's a fucking it is trip. A trip i mean Yes, I can not even speak to the level of his experience at all. He was on three seasons back to back, but I definitely remember the feeling of being in an airport and people, it's not, it's not the same. That's a beautiful thing about LA. You're kind of in a bubble when you're in LA because no one, everyone pretends to not give a fuck about you because they're too cool. (laughs) It's very fun. (laughs) When you're in other places, it's like, whoa, this is really cool fucking crazy well then we see the second half of the interview and that's then when he starts talking about his time as the bachelor and then you start to really see him talk about the hand of production in his relationship which did he speak to him being cast as the bachelor like whether that was surprising for him or anything like that no it was it was it was definitely talked about early on okay yeah like throughout paradise um i believe i could be wrong about this but i believe he said when he before he even left paradise it was a conversation i remember someone from paradise telling me that he said to the producer like basically like what do i need to do to be the bachelor it sounded that way yeah it sounded that way from their conversations and you know it it's so interesting because it it's it i understand how for a lot of people someone like colton is then upsetting because sure. they're like, fuck that guy. He's not there for the right reasons. He's part of the game. Da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, that's true. But I, I mean, do... I think we went off on him for that when we were recapping oh, the season. Oh, but a of lot. course, of course. And you had to remember pick that we did a whole apart. episode, basically like why we hate Colton. <laughs> 
this is like episode eight or nine well, ever this was, of this. This was of the our shift. Show. This was the shift, though, to why I st- I went from hating Colton to not like you know from to being then like you know what other things about Colton that I like. I think it was because at that point he was still kind of playing off this guy, this like role of like I'm just here for the right reasons and I'm just out here I'm looking just an for American love. guy. And I'm like, oh, dude, let's. Your intentions are very obvious. You want to be the bachelor. You want to win. Yeah, we felt like he wasn't being an honest about right. it. Right. And then, then as soon as he was honest about it, I was like, you know what? I respect it. Okay. You, totally. You gave us a great season. It was, you know, you you played the, the quote unquote game well. Whatever. Yeah. But so then he was talking about on his season how he knew pretty early on that it was Cassie. Yes. I, I heard a bit about this part. Yeah. And about how he, how Cassie even like basically point blank asked him and yes he's like I can't do that and this is something that he also talks about in the NPR interview which Rods if you haven't listened to that either that's, that that one's only like fifteen minutes yeah so it was this one, American Life right? yes yeah. this, this American Life that one he really spills the tea in more condensed version yes it's a quicker version <laughs> <laughs> but basically like yeah he said he was. Fucking with producers being like, Hannah, she's my girl, more yeah. or less. Yep. It's pretty wild. This is de- this is where I really related him to because I was like, oh, God, if I was the lead, I would 100% be in that same paranoid thing. Like, they're trying to make it look like this. So, like, what I got to do is like... The bleh. overthinking. Yeah. But he at the end of the day, he, he beat them. Yeah, but I also wondered, like, was he being... A little too paranoid like maybe it wasn't probably that deep. he said he was so anxious yeah and so i wonder if they were gonna like just spin it i mean i i would i would actually this is where i would be interested to talk to another a, a former lead being like do you feel like they were getting in the way of like who you really wanted to be with because i feel like i haven't heard a lot of bachelor people say like producers like ruined my shot with this person I would like to talk to Rachel about it. Yeah, because I, I feel too. like Rachel would give you a really, really fucking honest answer. take on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Especially with her narrative of how they spend it with Brian and Peter. Yep. And obviously, she wanted to be with Brian. Like she's made that very clear. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's not that. Like I wanted to be with yes. Brian <laughs> yes. from the, from the get. Which yeah. Nick has mentioned to us that most all the leads that he's aware of know pretty quickly who they want to be. Not with. Ari. <laughs> not Ari. Not so much Ari. Not so much Jason. I remember a producer telling me this about Ari. They were like the crazy fucking thing about him was that he actually would have no idea what he was going to do until he was at a rose ceremony looking at all the women. Like, they said that he would <laughs> say... scale of one to ten, how do I feel about you? He said that he would literally be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just have to, like, look them in the eyes and make a decision, which is like, wow, what a, like, uh, a heart-thinking... I don't know how you would call that kind of person, someone who's, like, very heart yeah, forward. heart center. He, he was literally be a two, just, three, or four on the enneagram, leading with the heart. He was literally just like, I have to look at them and mm. then decide. Didn't always work. There is something kind of beautiful about that. I agree. Well, but the producers, producers were like, that's the season was really crazy to produce because he really would be like, I, I don't know, I don't know who I'm going to send home. I have to figure it out. You know, it's funny when you say that, too, because of all the bachelors that I can think off the top of my head, Ari seemed the most 
the 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 least um like fabricated in any way uh, like the most authentic completely like true like all they they seemed you know i'm not talking like they're like all these other guys are like oh my god they're just fucking fake but it seemed more like oh they probably knew at least their top three and so you're having to kind of put on a little bit for some of the other women that you're not interested in or whatever but with Ari, it felt very like when I was rewatching it, I'm like, oh, this this guy is very much here. Like he's in present this. in the moment. Yes, he believes in this process, which is interesting because people called his season bo- like he they called him boring and stuff like that. But uh, he also couldn't didn't really seem to hide his emotions. Like you see when he's yeah. being forced to give Crystal Rose, he's like Crystal, and he's just <laughs> like dead in the eyes. Here's a rose. He just um, snaps it before he breaks. But anyway, back it. to Colton. You could see Colton was definitely like calculated, not Very in a calculated. bad way. But but so then we end up finding out um, that basically the producers start like, and I don't know if it's because they started to catch on to what Colton was doing, mm. Colton's games, mm. that Cassie was his number one. But Colton ended up finding out that before he showed up at Cassie's home in hometowns, the producers sat Cassie's dad down and said, Colton is be, like, protect your daughter. Colton is not going to choose her. He's going to break her heart. Oh, no, they, they they literally told her dad he's going to pick Hannah G. I mean. So, so if we let's rewind back when we were recapping everyone was super just like yes team papa cassie like he is it like i remember what his name is like greg or something yes (laughs) you know and everyone was just like yes you tell him how it is like you shut that shit down and i'm like are you kidding me if i was a parent not to not give him any credit but if i was a parent and producers came in and were like just fyi uh this guy's not gonna choose your daughter I would be like, get out of my fucking house <laughs> when he walked in. I'd be so cold to him. I, I would well, just be like, no. It must have been really confusing for Cassie because I don't know if you remember there's that whole scene with Cassie and her dad at during hometowns, not later on. And he's just giving her a really hard time too. Like, you don't think this, this, really, this guy's really serious yeah. about this, do you? And I have to say that I like him more, the dad now more knowing that because as much as he w- went in on Colton and like was trying to talk to Cassie, it also, he also wasn't being like, no. He was kind of like, all right. Like it, it felt now knowing that in the moment it felt a little more like okay dad like you know we we celebrate the fact that you you shut it down but also like it's your daughter's choice sure, sure, sure. it's like now knowing that and then so how would you handle that as a parent like i have no idea it must have been like and did they tell him not to tell her like yeah your daughter doesn't know so just like don't tell like what? I don't know. I don't know. And that that's the thing that that uh, Colton said started to mess with Cass. So, you know, a lot of people were then like, well, people always say, you know, Colton's obsessed with Cassie and Cassie's not that into Colton. And it's like, no, Cassie was very, very, very much into Colton. But when you hear that news, or at least even if your parent just alludes to it, and then, by the way, the producers get your parent to show up um, in another country to basically stop you from marrying or, or, you know, going forward with this guy, of course you're going to be hesitant. Like, do I trust this guy? Um, I've only known him for a couple weeks. Yeah. And I know, I feel like people gave her shit for that too, where they were like, 
you know, what are you just going to make every decision? Cause like your dad's and exactly what you're saying. If my dad flew out and was like, this guy's not here for, I'd be like, Oh yeah. God, I talk yeah. about panic attacks. And they clearly have like a, like a close relationship. The right. family does. So it's like, even, you know, my dad, do I li- still live at home with my father? Like I think she <laughs> did, or was at the time. No. Um, but if my dad, who I love dearly, made any sort of statement like that yeah you better believe that i have my ear to the ground now because i'm like well i've known my dad for quite some time and he knows me this guy and he knows me so i'm gonna be hesitant and so that's why colton was saying he lost it he's like i've spent four months straight with producers messing with me and throwing Tia in and throwing Tia in again and throwing Becky in a paradise. He's like, I felt like I was just being like a pincushion to producers. And he's like, I finally find someone who I'm like, this is my girl, whatever. And now they're going and telling her dad that I don't have feelings for her. Like, oh, yeah. he's like, I was so mad. And then that's when he uh, he said he had his passport with him in cash when he hopped the fence, by the way. Broads, if you don't know, oh, you didn't he, listen to yeah. the, uh, the NPR episode. He went... When we see him leave, when after Cassie leaves and he goes to his hotel room, he is getting cash and he is hopping the fence because it was his goal to escape. He was like, I was getting oh, out yeah, of the country. Yeah, he was, he, yeah. And he was hiding in ditches and they lost him for a couple hours. Yeah. Which is just, I mean. Yeah, and then he realized he was like in the middle of nowhere and was like, I'm not going to get fucking anywhere with this. Yeah. I mean, just unreal. Unreal. Can't believe it. It's, okay, what what other what other tea did he did he talk anything about their um, relationship? Or he like he that? didn't talk a ton about their relationship, which I thought was good too. He was trying to respect good. it. He said that when he tweeted that elusive tweet after Cassie appeared on the goat episode, that that was not so much what was his tweet or not tweet his post. Oh, Remember okay, then okay. Cassie yes, was yes, upset yes, yes, and yes. was like, "Hey, you need to ask my yeah. permission." Blah blah blah. Colton at least says, you know, who knows, but Colton says he's like that tweet was directed more to Bachelor production. He said, I feel like now they're messing with my ex after we're even in a relationship where he said when he said, obviously, that changed this week or whatever. Right. Because because he said that before she was going to go on the show, they had talked and, you know, he, they, he said, of course, Bachelor producers are telling Cassie, like, no, we want to have you on to talk about you. Like, we don't want to know about your tattoos and how you're doing with school and like your family and everything. He's like, and Colton's like, I know that that's not what's going to happen. And so she went on. And of course, all that they cared about, which you then saw how irritated Cassie was. Because Chris Harrison kept fucking pushing it. He said, I knew exactly what they were going to do. So he said then that was a thing between him and her where then she thought he was coming for her. He said everything in his book is going to be fully approved by her. And in fact, she helped with things. Who knows? He says they're fine now. It was a miscommunication or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and of course, when you're in the heat of a breakup of and everything, you're like, fuck you. Of Why course. You yeah. to me? <laughs> you're hurt. You're yeah. hurt by it. Yeah. Um, and I imagine she probably had a ton of people coming for her about that kind of thing. Like, wow, you're really going to go talk about your relationship with Colton. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that, that so, amped things up with so, her. So, yeah, all that's pretty wild. Pretty okay, wild. Okay, so those are the biggest chunks of tea from it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It was just, you know, it's just, it's a good, it's a good reminder to listen to things like that when you, you know, obviously at, on this podcast, we joke constantly about contestants and, assume, you know, making jokes, but we think they're doing this 
if when we come face to face with the contestant, of course, you meet them with fresh eyes. We don't, we don't of know course. what you see. So whenever, you know, we're on this podcast joking about people or like whatever, it's all this is a. if you look at the label, this is a comedy podcast. We're having a good time. You know, you only see a certain amount on screen. I thought that was interesting. And another thing that he talked about, though, on the episode uh, was reality. Steve was like, I thought it was horrible how they handled the thing with Kaylin. And I thought that that was interesting that yes. Colton was actually like, I thought that they handled it like as best as they could yeah. have actually. And then he, that was also interesting that he gave some insight saying that he like basically made a promise. He wasn't going to bring it up anything about his relationship with Allie yeah. or drag her into that and how that yeah. put him in like a kind of a weird situation. Yeah. yeah and he that he said that he thought they did it as well as they could in the moment, but then using it as uh. fucking clickbait. Uh. Then it's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's I wonder how Kaylin felt about that. I never really heard how she felt about yeah, that in I particular. Don't know. I don't know. Because that was that was the most upsetting piece I remember when we were sure. watching it, where you're like, you're exploiting this girl's past of sexual assault as a way to be like, we've never seen something like this on The Bachelor before. And yeah, it's, like, it's also like, uh, just to play the other side, it is like, I don't know. It's, it's really tricky. you got to be really tricky for her, too, because it's like, it's obviously a big part of her history, mm-hmm. but then also it was like their first one-on-one. And when you're talking about it on the show, yeah. you know that it's going to be exploited for the reality TV yeah. show you're on. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what what her opinion of it was. Me too. But yeah, anyway. so that was it with uh, with reality, Steve and Colton. Um, so let's cover a couple other yes hot pop culture topics. Um. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that even though this happened weeks ago, I've been wanting to talk about it. I've like brought it up to Jess like three different times. The whole Jada and Will situation. I don't know if you guys heard about this. So her Red Table Talk, which is a show she does, which is fantastic, by the way. This episode was not, in my opinion. I'm just going to come guns blazing with my opinion Okay. 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 You've watched it. We watched it. Okay. Give background info. So I believe I haven't, I'm probably going to mess this up, but I believe this guy who she had had a relationship with August four years ago. Mm -hmm. Who is he? I think he's a rapper. Okay. Yeah. Someone in the, in the biz. Yeah. Younger than her. Yeah. I believe how this all got brought up four years later is he spoke about it in the media. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Which feels in poor taste in poor taste yeah you know so just my thought but basically he outed that they had a relationship obviously jade and will are still married Mm -hmm. at this point so Mm -hmm. that was like uh, a lot of people took that story i know and were like this is proof that they have an open relationship which has been speculated it's been speculated on yeah that they have an open relationship so then jada has will on basically like clear the air about this drama yes and she basically reveals that they were like basically on a break uh-huh. her and will were it's it wasn't like an open relationship situation like they really weren't together at that time yes i that's, believe that's what it sounded like it sounded yes. like she, the, she was using very vague terms of what she was she calling him she was calling an it entanglement an, an entanglement entanglement <laughs> yeah entanglement entanglement and and will even says he's like it was a relationship yeah 
So anyway, their entanglement happened when she and Will were like not together Mm -hmm. at that time. And they Mm -hmm. like wanted to kill each other and want to be around each other and all that kind of thing. Just marriage stuff. (laughs) Typical. She had her entanglement with August. Okay. What were they talking about when they kept saying he was sick? Like, is are they talking about addiction or like? I couldn't tell if they were talking about that he had an addiction, that he was maybe struggling with his mental health. Sure. Okay. If so he was literally ill with COVID <laughs> like four years ago. They keep saying like, oh, he was so sick at the time. And Will's like so sick. So they brought apparently, he was, ve- apparently August was very sick. So they brought him into their home and they were like trying to help him out. It seemed like it was more of a mental or It, it seemed like that because then she's yeah. also like, it felt good to help someone. And I'm like, so I'm guessing this wasn't cancer. Like, yes, I'm assuming not, it wasn't like a medical, was, it, like. But it was weird the way they were talking about yes. it because they were like, he was so, oh my God, he yes. was very sick. Yes. And so at first I was like, what happened to him? <laughs> like, is he okay now? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, you know, we were able to help him. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sounds like some sort of like personal battle. Yeah. Not, not a bodily injury. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Anyway, I'm like, was he? Yeah, exactly. He was, was he hit like, by, by a car and then they were fixing his leg. Right. Yeah, it was just like, I don't understand. <laughs> it seemed like it was like maybe yeah, depression, depression. Yeah, suicidal yeah. addiction. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, then he was in their home. And then, yeah, it was all very unclear. Yeah, that was the part that I had the hardest time with, to be honest, when I was watching this. So, like, were they both having sex with him at some point? Like, no, I don't think so. Okay. Is that what your, no, your gut tells you? <laughs> no, I don't actually think that. But I was like, the way you're talking about this, and like, yeah. we were both held. It was something that was just weird about it. It felt a little, yeah. I, I, you know, I felt very, I felt, I had mixed opinions about this because half of me, having been married for many years to the same person i loved how frank they were about a lot and having like a a conversation where by the way you could see there was still hurt oh yeah and they were irritated and they were and will was clearly kind of like snapping at her sometimes and that to me i liked watching that as much as it was uncomfortable because i felt like this is something that we don't see the side of marriage of a lot which people feel deeply and I loved that. And I loved... And they, were, they knew what they were doing, putting themselves out there like yes. that. So open and to I, criticism and speculation. And I so appreciate that they just like took it upon themselves to be like, we're just going to say it and we're going to have this like vulnerable conversation that is still painful in front of millions of people. And I loved that. Now, where I started to... They, it started to lose me a little bit is that it was so unclear whether or not it is an open relationship, mm. whether or not they had had communication like it's okay if while we're separated we're like you know that i'm with august and i'm you know and and then she made some comment and he will's like i'll get you back and she's like you already have and it's kind of like okay like were they both sleeping with people was this something that they were both okay with but then it got too far and it hurt will well i mean also she took uh, let's remember she took august to this awards show yes so what did she take him to the grammys or something yeah or like some, she was his date something where they then they're in public together and there there was a lot of hurt that will felt and that to me where i was like hey this could actually if they do have an open marriage by the way this would be a beautiful way to talk to people about non-monogamous relationships no, instead of made their if it was a non-monogamous relationship it looked made it look not good it did it looked like 
But I just wish that, yeah, they would have been clear about like, why was Will hurt? Was it because he didn't know that you were with August or that you were with August and that was fine, but then it became too public? Like, it just was very unclear. He definitely didn't seem okay with it. No. Or like it. Yeah. Like you said, it was still hurt. Now, where I had the issue with the interview was one, it seemed very like exploitative for red table talk. For one, it's like, obviously, but then it's like, okay, you know, that's that's a starting point. And then I was like, okay, well, they're obviously together and he agreed to be on it and they're both famous. So, like, obviously he knew what he's getting himself into. Yeah. But then watching the actual episode, it was very bizarre because she, to me, it felt like she placed him there with the pretense of it being like a conversation, but the way she was talking to him was like, she was talking to the audience, but while talking to him, because it was basically a PR speech of like, during this time, I was feeling this. And obviously he knew all that shit. Yeah. So, but she's just talking to him for the full 12 minutes or whatever, being like, and I was having a hard time and whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's <laughs> like, our true. marriage was really difficult. Yeah. And he's like, mm-hmm. And she's like, I had to find myself. He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just her saying this shit that he already knows, yeah. just talking at him because it's obviously for the audience to know. It's not about them having a conversation. It's about her, you know, explaining to the world in a way that's a conversation between the two of them. Yes, yes. I fully hear you on yeah. that. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing about this conversation is I felt like the intention and the bones of it were uh-huh. so fucking good. I'm like, this is going to be such a real conversation that people need to hear, especially people in marriage. The fact that they had this conversation and Will brought up and got teary about how it's like, I came to realize that like, this is like what we have goes beyond so much mm. as someone who's, you know, like we like Evan and I haven't been together for a long time. Like we've had these conversations where you're like, what if one of us cheats? What if one of us does this? Is sex going to for us personally going to be the end of our family, mm. the end of this intense twin flame feeling that we feel mm. together? And I'm for some people. Yes, that's a yes. But for I think for us, like these healthy marriage conversations that monogamy culture, I think, doesn't allow people to have that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And it had the bones of that. But then, yes, the questions were answered. It was unclear of like, where the hurt exactly was and then you're right it was very much like she was talking to us to us and he was like there occasionally being like yeah that sucked (laughs) which which she brought up at one point that's where that was a very real moment where i was like oh shit and it was one of my he was like i feel like i'm just kind of the husband being like at the pr thing being like yes honey like i agree with you everything you know i'm okay and and you could see in that moment that he was kind of like why the fuck am i here right now yeah like what are we actually doing here in this interview and that was my that was my thing about it that i was like that's where i was kind of like okay jada like what was what why is this really happening yeah I understand that. I understand that. You know, it was like, is this to just explain to the world your relationship with August? It almost felt like (laughs) it almost felt like we were in the situation where we were listening to two people. One is feeling, at least for herself, fully realized in the fact that this is what I needed four and a half years ago. I feel better. Our relationship is now good. So I'm going to tell you why this was all necessary and needed. And one who was like, 
I'm glad you found that, but it hurt the shit out of me and it still hurts. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was yep. just like, because he's like, glad you found yourself, sweetie. <laughs> and it, it fucking was. sucked when your little boo thing decided to drop that on, you know, yeah. in the media. Oh, yeah. The fact that it's just like, can you can you get August to not? <laughs> can you get him to not? Because this is very personal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was quite an interesting i mean i would encourage anybody to watch it also then their episode right before that that she had was the father's day episode with will didn't i didn't watch that oh if you want to ball your eyes out go ahead i watched it yesterday and i was like i can't think for the rest of the day it was so beautiful and so emotional yeah i know i i I, maybe that would take a little bit of the bad taste i think it would take i think it would take the bad i think what we literally saw was like two people who haven't worked out something that's still Uh, a hurt from four and a half years ago maybe but and i think you're right in the sense of jada's like i I have peace about it yeah (laughs) she feels peace about it she's like she you know what maybe maybe it was a dynamic where she was angry at well Mm. There were things that she had been frustrated about and then she needed to do her own thing. And now she feels peaceful after it. But then he was like, well, that sucked for me. I don't know. But I it was no, I completely hear you. But I did love the fact that these two incredibly famous people went and out like publicly had this really like uncomfortable conversation and then yeah. and then, by the way they could have recorded it and then been like no that was too awkward totally. and they fucking put it out i there. agree actually you bringing up those points and then thinking about it in the context just even of our show yeah i mean think how many people tune into our show versus like her show i think it's something like 36 million people have watched it this clip of them <laughs> 36 milli I feel like it would probably brought up a lot of interesting conversations in long-term relationships and marriages. And you're right, con- considering they've been in the spotlight for how goddamn long. I mean, th- w- now, yeah, now I'm leveling it like with what we do and stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, they knew exactly what was going to happen when they released that and what kind of scrutiny they were going to mm-hmm. be placed under by and releasing they, and that. They, really unedited. Yep. Really pretty raw. And them both knowing that it probably wasn't the most flattering view yeah. of either of them. But it was just real. And I had kind of like, I had to take I the feel that. You know what I mean? I do feel that. Then again, I was just like. To be the children of the two of them. I was like, Jada, what the fuck did you, like, how did you convince him to even come on this bullshit? That's that I felt, I did feel kind after, of defensive of after him. After the Father's Day episode, you'd get why he'd come on because it was just like the most beautiful, like, love song to him. I think I felt defensive of him because I related yeah. to her. I think that's actually how. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I yeah. I think yeah. that's actually how I felt because I was like, I try to do this with my own partner of like come on let's get honest about it and like let's talk about it and like let's be real for the world yes and part of it is like yeah wanting to be honest and part of it is also like people are interested in this kind of stuff obviously jada is you know i don't know if she's like the producer but she's producing this show that is getting you know got so much steam in it and it's like she knows what's gonna happen she's like oh my shitty little ex wants to drop this bomb then like let's fucking drop the bomb you know and so i sort of felt (laughs) sorry for for will because i understood from her perspective like of like let's just do it like come on and you want to be supportive and then will's just like (laughs) because i know gray doesn't really like when i talk about certain things publicly and we've had some conversations where he's like i really don't want like family and friends like knowing about this part of our relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a complicated thing when you're putting and i'm like sorry i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) 
sorry, and honey. you're gonna come on my podcast now and talk about it, okay? Let's, Let's fight about it. And then he sees the check, and he's like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> No, but I just sort of felt like compassion for him because I was like, oh, you really kind of got talked into this one. Maybe yeah. he didn't, but that was yeah, just. I don't know. I don't know. I was, it was such an interesting conversation though. I'm going to, I'm going to make Evan watch it. Evan hasn't watched it. And I feel yeah, like I'd love to like get into a fun fight with him about oh, it. Oh yeah. I feel like he's going to be pissed about it. Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's interesting. I feel like he's going to feel defensive of, I feel like he's going to feel defensive of Will. Maybe not, but a lot of men I, I've talked to feel I feel that like he's going to get defensive of Jada. Oh. Yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. Because a lot of men that I talked to about it said it felt like he was getting pulled through yes. the mud on her Yes, on I could see. I, I don't know, but I could see Evan being like certain times when Will was kind of like, well, I'm going to get back at you. And he was just like, why? Like, you know. That was, you, I, that you, was you, weird. I didn't quite catch what yeah. that comment meant. Now you say that. I'm like, I could okay, see yeah, Evan being like, well, I, I, uh, if you agree to come on this show then like you know what's sure. coming like why are you like then trying to like make it worse for your wife if you guys had this open conversation about this already True. i don't know anyways we're gonna have to get his hot take <laughs> we're gonna have to get his hot takes hot takes from the men's um but another thing um that has been all over the media lately are all these youtubers these crazy famous youtubers throwing covid parties okay. aka parties with tons of people and we felt like someone that we should talk with about COVID in general. And then I'm so curious what his opinion on with these YouTubers and their parties is a dear friend of our show. Who's been on before Michael. Yo, he's an amazing comedian. Um, He's worked like on E and all this shit for forever and interviewed everyone. Well, Michael got COVID at the very top of March. Yeah, I think in March. And I mean, it was really bad. And now he's doing better, but should we dial him in and get some of his yeah, hot takes? We, yeah, we want his hot takes, and then I'm also curious about his experience. Yes, we yeah, need to talk one of to the him. First people and stuff, all that. So yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk get to Michael. On. Okay, Brad. So I'll be honest. I didn't think I would say this, but I love getting older. As each year passes, I'm loving it. I know not everyone feels the same, you know, but I try really hard to celebrate it since it's inevitable either way, but I am loving it. Uh, But the one thing I really dislike about aging is the fact that after a drink or two, I feel like I got hit by a train. Um, If you're under the age of 25, maybe you can't relate. I mean, goodness, I started getting a hangover when I was 20. So who knows? It's person to person, I guess. But let me tell you, As I get older, they're just getting worse, okay? Lucky for all of us, though, DHM Detox is the only thing you need to wake up feeling amazing, whether you've had a glass of wine or maybe a few more than one glass. Uh, DHM Detox is the vitamin for people who enjoy alcohol. Nothing ruins a night of fun like a morning of headaches, anxiety, and brain fog, and that's why you need to make DHM Detox part of your morning routine anytime drinks are involved. DHM Detox uses science, science to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol and help break down those pesky toxins made up of natural ingredients, antioxidants and vitamins. It's the all natural way to take care of your body when having a few drinks. Uh, Just take two capsules after your first couple of drinks and DHM Detox goes to work immediately to make sure you wake up feeling your absolute best. And that is so important. I can't think of a more horrible way to spend a day than fumbling through with a headache. There's just too much to get done to be feeling that way. We are busy broads, honey. DHM Detox wants to make sure that you never waste that day. So how important is your next day? Just a couple of dollars you can wake up feeling fine after drinking. Also, there's free shipping on all U.S. orders. 
DHM Detox is a risk-free purchase, so if you aren't satisfied after taking the product, they'll give you your money back. So this is a no-brainer. And we've got you 20% off your order. Just head to dhmdetox.com and use the promo code CHATTY at checkout. That's dhmdetox.com using promo code CHATTY, dhmdetox.com, promo code CHATTY. And we are joined by Michael. Yo, hello. Hello. Yeah. Welcome back. It's been forever. I know. I know. It's been crazy, but uh, I'm just happy to be around and happy to be alive. You know, we were just doing this little intro talking. We've been talking about pop culture for the past hour. And we were talking about all these YouTubers throwing these huge parties these days. And I'm like, we have to talk to Michael, first of all, we about gotta that, get, yeah. but we need to know about, we got to get your hot take on the Corona since you went through that shit. And can you tell oh us? Oh my God. I, I went us. through it in the worst way. I saw what you saw these, uh, these Instagram people or TikTok people or whatever they are that threw this big party like last night or the night before. And I just feel that uh, a lot of people don't take it seriously, mm-hmm. which is horrible uh, because, you know, it, it hit me hard. I was in um, the ICU for eight days. Uh, my first, as soon as I got to the hospital, they were like, we don't, you know, I was like, am I going to be okay? And then the doctor said, it's going to go really good or really bad. And we'll know in two days. Oh. So basically when he first told me that it didn't really, I absorbed it, but I thought, oh, it may be just a little bit worse. But then when the next doctor came in, I go, I have a family. I broke down and started crying. I was like, I'm going to be okay, right? And then it hit me hard when she said, we'll try our best. And that's when it became a real reality that my body was falling apart. I felt the worst. I mean, you're talking about every symptom, headaches, body aches, uh, uh, coughing up blood. Uh, I couldn't move. I couldn't Okay, walk. wait, can we back talk. up? How, what, yeah. uh, what, where were, like, do you know how you got exposed? What were your so, first symptoms? When was this? All that kind of stuff. So I was uh, traveling. I was doing stand-up comedy and it was like my third weekend in a row and I ended my tour in New York. So I was at Gotham Comedy Club, did five sold-out shows. You're talking about probably like 1,200, 1,300 people I performed in front of Is this in February? New York. Or- this was March. Oh. So let me tell you where the country was when I performed in New York. Because people, you know, some haters would be like, well, why'd you go to New York? You knew it was happening. Back then, when I landed in New York to perform, there were 11 deaths. 11. And there was only 1,500 cases. So we didn't really know about it. Well, it also you know? took such a quick turn. So like it was like the top of March. Everyone's kind of like, what? we don't even know what this thing is. And then all of a sudden, it was like... Like that. And then everybody knew. Yeah. You know, so the, you got to understand when I flew into New York, it was kind of like, we're going to beat this thing. It's going to be fine. And 11 people died. There was nobody really knew it was asymptomatic. You know, we didn't know anything back then. So I did these shows and I came back from New York, felt fine. All the comics that were in the green room with me all weekend long, fine. But I get home and the Right when I get home, about a week after, I didn't feel right. So I just quarantined myself because now you're starting to see just in a week it turned, you know, it became like, oh, this is serious. So when I came back, I quarantined myself away from my kids because, you know, we just had a baby. Uh, My son is three. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. And my wife and I was like, I don't want to get y'all sick. So let me just quarantine myself. 
and my mom's at my house too, you know? <sighs> so, um, I quarantined myself first day, got a fever of 101 and it kind of stayed like that for three days, but I, I felt bad, but I wasn't horrible. And then the fourth day, I just couldn't breathe. I started gasping for air and my wife called 911 and they said, get him out of the house so he doesn't infect y'all. So literally it's me on my porch in the front yard waiting for the ambulance to come gasping for air and my wife can't be around me. I'm looking at them through a window and she's holding my son and he's crying. He doesn't know what's going on, but he knows I'm in pain. So I'm looking at him gasping for air, crying. My wife doesn't know what to do. You know, luckily the baby was asleep and the ambulance came. They gave me oxygen. Uh, and the last thing before they put me in the ambulance is, you know, my son's crying. I just put my hand to the window and he, and he put his hand to my hand. And then they willed me away to the ambulance. And, you know, I got to the hospital and then the hospital was like, you're the first one here with Corona. So that's how early it was. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the first one at that hospital with Corona. So they brought me into uh, a room and they did a check x-ray. Then they discovered I had double pneumonia and Corona. So that's why they didn't know. It was so early. They didn't know if I was going to make it because at that time, that was the thing that was killing everybody. It's mm -hmm. not, it wasn't the Corona by itself. It's when you had two things attacking your lungs. Mm -hmm. You had Corona and double pneumonia and basically they were throwing people on ventilators and and they were dying and i remember because you know like life in life some people die quickly so you never get to think about your life and think about have you treated everybody well have you not treated everybody well you know i and as i looked over my life in those two days because you don't know if you're gonna live or die is, you know, I felt really good about my life. The only thing that really worried me was my kids would never know how much I really loved them. Mm. You know, like they would grow up and not know their father really. And that just destroyed me. And uh, yeah, and I'm texting, they, they didn't have a phone service down there. So they didn't have wireless. So all I could do was text. I couldn't even call. I couldn't receive or get calls. They didn't have wireless down there. So luckily text worked. And now that I look back at my old text, it was a thing where um, it was a thing where I was so exhausted. I was texting one word answers and I was like, you know, this is like, it's it's you're not going to even be able to enjoy the last two days of your life. If so. And then they tell you that no one can come and see you. So you're going to die alone. And I was in ICU by myself. They had I was the only one down there because it was so early. And after about two and a half, three days. So you make it sound like you're in a, like a basement or something like. Yeah. I mean, you're in ICU, but there's nobody down there because it's only for Corona patients. Okay. Because you're in, you're in like these a rooms special where. quarantine room. Special quarantine okay. rooms where literally they had to put this whole thing, you know, all the PPE on. So uh, I'm down there by myself. And I remember the second night I thought I was going to die because the pain was so bad. I was throwing up and. Uh, and I hit the button for help, but it takes them 10 minutes to come into your room because they have to put everything on. Oh, my God. So your pain, it's not like they run in and take care of the pain, shoot you up with something. You're dealing with it, you know, for, for 10 minutes. And it was, it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It was so excruciating. It's literally sometimes went through my mind. It's just, just ended. 
you know, if you're going to take me, just take me now. Cause this, it, this hurts so bad. And then, uh, I started writing a letter to my wife, a last letter. And I stopped writing that last letter because then in my mind, I was like, she would have known I gave up, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, I just didn't want to give up on her or the kids. So I stopped writing it and I said, no matter what, I'm a fight. I'm a fight. And uh, about three and a half days later, they told me I was going to make it. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it, it was uh, it was rough, man. It was rough. I still get emotional about it, you know. So. Of course. Yeah. Well, it, mm-hmm. Mike, it was only a couple months ago. Yeah, it was literally in March. What are we now, like five months, six months? And I'm still not healed all the way. You know, I still um, I still have pain. I wake up some days. It's great. Some days, you know, I have the lingering effects. So I still have pains that shoot through my body, you know, because my lungs aren't healed yet. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, I had it rough, man. I had it rough. But I feel that, uh, you know, I'm on I'm on the other side of it and I'm getting better and I can function fine. You know, I'm fine at functioning and everything like that. So it's just the little things like they did the MRI on my head. So they found out there was no brain damage during it. Next time I go in, they're going to do a full physical to see if I had any underlying conditions. Yeah. You know, so they got. Yeah, because I mean, look at you. I mean, you're you're young, obviously healthy, fit, no other conditions that you know of. Yeah. So I want if I do have an underlying condition, I want to find it now. And uh, so next they're going to do like a heart scan and they're going to just basically cat scan my whole body just to make sure everything's fine. And I can't explain why I got it so bad, but some doctors have said I was in New York. People didn't know about it really there. Probably a lot of asymptomatic people, you know, because the shows are sold out. So it was like 400 people in a room laughing Mm -hmm. towards me. So if you're asymptomatic, I didn't meet anybody, though. I didn't do meet and greets or anything. So just think about all that air. Yeah, just flying in a small room. Yeah. Yeah. If I got it there, you know, and part of me says maybe I didn't because the comics that perform with me and we hung out in the green room, no bigger. It, it was like a little box room where three people could sit and that's it. Yeah. And they had they didn't get it at all. And they got tested. They weren't. They still oh, wow. don't have it. So I'm like, yeah, maybe did I get plane, it there or did yeah, I get airport, it on the flight yeah, back? Yeah, because yeah. you got to remember on the flight back. You know, it wasn't a mandatory mandatory rule to wear a mask on a plane. So like 90% of people did. I wore a mask, Mm. but 90% of people on the plane didn't wear a mask. You know, so was it the plane trip? You know, you just you just don't know where you exactly got. I just know a week after I came back, that's when it hit me. Wow. I just remember like, and I've told you this, Michael, but like when everything was happening, I was kind of like, is this just being overblown or did it? You know, you have all those questions. Oh, yeah. And um, and then I remember when I found out, I'm like, Michael has it and he's in the ICU. Like like Becca was saying, it's like you're young, you're healthy. Like it, that that was when it was just like, oh, my God, this is this is huge. Like this is something that needs to be taken so seriously. And I think about like when we're talking about these YouTube kids, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, hey, guess what? Maybe you're all 18 and you're mm-hmm. packed together and maybe most of you would be asymptomatic or just get kind of sick for a little bit. But like 
even if, even if you're like, I'm avoiding seeing like my older family members. It's like, okay, that's fine. You touch one handle of someone who's like you, who's healthy and young, and you you are like on death's door. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you have, I think, you know, a lot of people ask me questions about it and they go, why aren't as many people dying? As fa- There's still a lot of people dying, but like the death rate was a lot higher yeah. at the beginning. And I go, because they know more. Right. Sure. You know, you got to take that in. consider. Like I had a conversation with my personal doctor and he told me after I've recovered and I'm good now, this happened like three weeks ago. He goes, I just have to tell you, since you survived, we were scared because we didn't know what to do. Like that's the main doctor because you were our first one. So wow. when I was watching TV, whatever drug they said on TV, they literally were putting that in my body. It was almost like in a great way. And I'm not saying this in any negative way. They tried everything to save my life, you know, because they didn't have a template. They didn't know you weren't supposed to put people on ventilators. But the thing that saved my life is they didn't because when I was going in and out, I remember the doctor, two doctors in the room and one doctor asked another doctor, or maybe it was a nurse, asked my main doctor, are we putting him on a ventilator? And he goes, no, because if he's put on a ventilator, then his body will automatically stop breathing on its own and then stop fighting. So if he's going to go out, he's going to go out on his own will. And that literally, I think, saved my life. Wow. Yeah, because you got to understand when a they were putting people on ventilators because their oxygen now normal oxygen level just for people because I'm learning about this too and I may not be exactly right because I'm not a doctor but like us right now normal oxygen level is between ninety seven percent and a hundred percent oxygen level some people were coming in at fifty percent oxygen level but were talking just like this it was like no effect where really they should be passed out. So the Corona mate. Yeah. So they were functioning fine. They were talking on the phone, texting people. So doctors were like, if they're at 50% oxygen, if we don't put them on a ventilator, then once it goes out, it's going to, it's going to fail fast. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to, they're like functioning at 50%, but once they stop functioning, it's going to turn the corner really quick and it go downhill. So we need to stop this. So I believe, because I'm not a doctor, but I've been explained that's why they were putting people on ventilators because they Got knew it. the worst was coming. Yeah. And now they know, oh, that's not true. You just turn them on their stomach. Instead of keeping them on their back, you turn Whoa. them on their stomach to treat them. Yeah, but you can't blame doctors because this is sure. the first. This is, I mean, you know, how they, unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah like, so I was... You know? Yeah. So literally I was, I felt like I was a guinea pig because they didn't know you got a healthy guy that works out six times a day that eats right. And he's going through this so he can take anything we give him. So let's see what works. I mean, they gave me that drug Trump was pushing hydroxychloroquine. They gave it to me for a day. My body had a bad reaction to it. Then they gave me the malaria drug for like five days. But in between they were giving me all types of stuff. I have no idea. And then my head was I don't even call it a headache. It was like, literally my head was going to bust open. That's what it felt like. They gave, this is how bad it was. They gave me morphine three times and it only lasted five seconds. Wow. Five seconds. Like literally they give it to me. I was like, ah, and then bam, it's back like that fast. So yeah, was, it was that pain horrible. in your head or pain in your lungs? Where was it? Oh, it was, it was oh, pain was everywhere, but they gave me the morphine for my head. Wow. So they had to find, this is how crazy it was. They had to find the right thing to treat just my head. So they gave me different drugs just for my headache. 
because literally it felt like it was going to bust open. Yeah, you're like, just handled it. Like, I need this pain to be handled. I did. Like, the body, it was awful. But when your head, it just makes everything much worse. And so, they, I I think (laughs) after the third or fourth day, they finally figured. So, I was dealing with this headache for like four days. They finally found the right combination of whatever to give me. Because it it was crazy. Because literally, it was good and bad. Every doctor was invested in me. And saving my life because I was the first one. Now, I was in there for eight days. And when I left, the whole thing was filled with Corona patients. That's how fast it turned. Wow. Just from empty to full. Wow. Empty to full. Just like that. Yeah. So it went from just one to like 25 people just in eight days and, and more patients coming in. And, and the thing is, is I understand that some people didn't believe it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some, the, there was mixed messages, but now there's just no excuse. You know what I mean? Like we, we know wearing a mask, you know, helps out a lot. It doesn't, I won't say it stops it, but it helps out tremendously. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not going out when you don't need to go out helps out a lot. You know? So I, I just feel that there is enough information. They still got a lot to learn about it, but there is enough information out there now where you could be safe. We take, you know, like measures. Yeah. Preventative, like my dad is, you know, he he hardly believes anything. But <laughs> my dad has been wearing a mask for like two or three months. Even after I went through, listen to this. Even after I went through this, it took him two weeks after that to wear a mask. Because <laughs> like your like, son almost died, and he's like, ah, I don't need to wear a mask yet, you know. <laughs> so, he's but like, I'm he not was fully te- convinced yet. But he was in Texas when it wasn't big in Texas, yeah. you know, because Texas just is getting it like over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like five, six months ago. So he was like, well, it's not down here. Do I really need to wear a mask? And your son almost died. Mm-hmm. So that was my dad, you know, but then when it took off in Texas and he started hearing about, because really you got to remember, my dad doesn't watch national news. He just watched local news. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an area where it's not big, you don't hear about it much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a big true. deal. But, but then when you start seeing it, a lot on your local TV is like, oh, this is serious. I better take this serious. Oh, no worries that your son almost died. But since you saw it on local news, you think it's serious now. I'm like, come on, Dad. It's ridiculous. It is crazy, though. Even I've, I've been telling people like the line between Los Angeles and Orange County. Granted, the cases are like rising in Orange County and it's high. But in comparison to L.A., it's quite different. And my family lives in uh, Orange County, so I've been down there a few times. And it's like the difference of energy because people aren't surrounded. They don't know tons of people who have had it, like most all of us up here know. That it's like you go down there and there's people like refusing to wear the masks and everyone's pissed about it. And I'm just like down there just like, oh, God, God." like running straight into my mom's house. Like, how do you not get this? But then, you, you know, you drive up to L.A. and it's like it's a very different energy. And you know, it's like, of course, if if it's not in your exact area, it's maybe harder but, to to grasp. But, but it's, it's also so like that in life with everything. Yeah. Sure. If you don't yeah. experience it, if you're not personally affected by it, mm-hmm. Hello, then yeah. you don't really care about it or you don't or you could not believe it. You could talk about uh, social discrimination. You could talk about injustices in the in the in, in the courses. If you don't really experience it's kind of like, look, I, I use this example every day. We have soldiers dying every single day overseas for, for our safety. But since it's not front and center, 
you how many times do you just randomly think about that? You mm-hmm. don't because it's not being shown on TV. Right. You know, but there but guess what? Those families that are affected about it, affected by it, know about it. And it, I just feel that there there is there's awareness, so much awareness about it now that if you don't take precautions, you're being, you're being very irresponsible and selfish Mm -hmm. because I always go back to the people that save my life, frontline workers, essential workers, these people, grocery, people that work in grocery stores, people that work in gas stations, people everywhere. They're risking, really, if you think about it, they're risking their lives for a very low pay Mm -hmm. because they need the money for us, for people. And it's our job to be selfless Mm -hmm. and at least try to protect those people. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like it's, it it blows my mind. It's kind of like the people that don't want to wear a mask. Imagine you were at the hospital and you knew the doctor uh, could have something and he just wants to do surgery, surgery on you with no mask. I can breathe better. I can focus better. It doesn't (laughs) get in my way. So the mask is blocking my, uh, my, my freedom. So I'm going to do this surgery with no mask, even though I'm going to cut you open. And by the way, not just me, the whole staff that's dealing with you is not going to wear a mask. You would be like, no. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's silly to me now. It's silly to me now. And I was the first one. When, because uh, I never understood, and I and I and I love him. Dr. Fauci came out and said, "Well, you don't need to wear a mask." And then he came out to say, "Look, we were trying to not have people buy all the masks for the yeah. people for the doctors, which is kind of messed up if you think about it." Sure. Look, we need to protect those people, but we need <laughs> to protect us too. Really, not as important. I'm just going to be yeah. <laughs> straight with you. I, <laughs> yeah. So you're like, what? But then they came out and said they need to wear a mask. But I've always said. Because what was weird is about it. They said, well, a mask can't stop you from getting it, but it can help you from stop spreading it. So I go, well, why wouldn't you want everybody to wear a mask then? Because it would stop, help stop the spread of everybody. (laughs) You know, it was just a very weird statement at the beginning. But then they cleared it up. And now a lot of people point to, well, he did say at the beginning, but look. You can you can cherry pick anything, but you know what they're saying now for the last Look, three, four months. Also, here's the thing, like pre-COVID era, when you go to other countries, people wear masks so that when they're sick, they can, you know, stop other people from getting it. I mean, most bacteria and viruses is carried through spit. So if you have something over your mask preventing your spit from spraying everywhere when you're talking, coughing, sneezing, wherever, that's going to like you know, slow the spread. That's just, and even if you're not sick, if you have something over your mouth, you're going to be less likely to be touching your mouth with your unwashed hands, all that kind of stuff. So that, that helps like no matter what kind of bacteria or virus you're, you're, you're um, fighting. And then also when people are saying like, well, you only have to wear it when you're sick. Well, hello, we're dealing with a thing that's asymptomatic (laughs) for like, so you really don't know if you're sick or not. Well, what's interesting to me is, uh, like I got the Corona. Yeah. And I beat it, but I talked to all my friends that's been consistently wearing a mask. Nobody's gotten a cold. Nobody has gotten any other. It's crazy. <laughs> like just by wearing it, I haven't gotten sick besides the Corona. Like my wife hasn't gotten, nobody's gotten a cold, a fever, nothing. <laughs> it's because we're, flu. No, it's so I mean, funny you say that. Cause I was literally talking about it yesterday with my husband. I'm like, I'm like, Evan, and I tend to get sick a lot. And I'm like, I haven't gotten sick in months. <laughs> like, like, and I'm just, oh my God, I've been wearing a mask constantly. So, so, I mean, that just proves it right there. Just yeah. by wearing a mask. 
I haven't got sick. All the people I know haven't got colds. So obviously it helps. And when people start saying, should kids go back to school or not? They got to remember kids have been locked up at home. So they don't really know the effect on kids until all these kids get back together. Yeah, that's true. All I know is I was sick every other week when my son was going to school. For sure. You know what I mean? With all <laughs> matter of things. Kids are There's just big germs. A different like, stomach literally. flu every other week. It's like... <laughs> Great. <laughs> like, I don't think there was a time when my kid was going to school consistently. He didn't have some type of runny nose or always coughing. But that's what school is, you know. So I think if kids just, you know, like it's on the parents, if they decide to put their kids back in school, you'll know in like six months how it really affects kids because you can't make a judgment on how it affects little kids because little kids have been locked up. Yeah. You know, you're making a judgment. Well, they haven't gotten sick yet. Well, they've been at home. They haven't interacted with other kids, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how it really plays out. And I'm interested. I'm more open minded. I, I, I would never let my kid go to school, but I'm open minded for the people. I don't want to judge the people that want their kids to go to school, but I'll be the one watching going, hey, I hope it works out. Well, because we you do know. have to figure out how to proceed, you know, in, in the future, obviously. So we have yeah. to figure out how to do something and to protect and, the teachers and yeah. And a doctor, you know, I, I, and I also feel like the story, like I remember there was a story that said, well, just because you got Corona, uh, literally the headline was just because you, you've had Corona doesn't mean uh, you can't get it again. So they make headlines like this, but when you read the article, it goes, it doesn't mean you can't get it, but it doesn't mean, you know, it goes, you could get it again, but you could maybe not get it again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's like, and then it goes, we don't really know. So, right. I mean, wh- so what it's like, why'd you write that? Bullshit is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like clickbait. It's like, well, if you had Corona, you might get it again or you might not. <laughs> we don't know. That should have been the headline. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, look, we, it, it's become something that, Wearing a mask, uh, I think people are starting to turn the corner on the political side of the mask when earlier it was. Because people now see, you know, no matter how hardcore you are to one side or the other, I think once you know someone that's gotten it, then it changes. Because I think when I had it, they said said just four months ago, four and a half months ago, and this is surveys and stuff, only like 30% of people knew somebody with COVID. Mm -hmm. Now it's about 72%. And in another three to four months, it'll be like 90%. So I think also if you hear about something and you're on the other side and you're watching it and you don't really know someone, you're like, it's BS. Yeah, sure. But once it's in your family or someone close to your family, you're like, oh, maybe we should take this serious. Yeah, the the couple people that I know are both actually ironically both personal trainers young women in their 30s two separate people i know in long beach who are like super healthy super fit who are like so i got coronavirus and i was knocked on my fucking ass for four weeks and i was like wow and they both had like the same story it's like no they didn't have diabetes they didn't have a heart condition they're Mm -hmm. not 85 like no they're in their early 30s who both had to be hospitalized multiple times because of it it's like yeah, and now they're finding out you have lingering effects from it. So, and it doesn't matter if you got a really bad or just just not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Some people have lingering effects that didn't even know they had it, and they beat it, but now they have lingering effects. Yeah. So it's 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 they don't they're not even close to figuring it out. And when you talk about they're trying to create this antibody, I was talking to a doctor, and 
going off that statement where you could get it again, <laughs> or maybe you couldn't get it again. He goes, this vaccine basically is the antibodies I have. So if you're saying you could get it again, the va- if, if you really believe you could get it again when you've already gotten the vaccine doesn't mean anything because sure. they're just creating what, what I have. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got a, a doctor really broke it down to me like that because he's like, well, if they're saying you could get it again, you could also get it again with a vaccine. Sure. So it's, you know, so. It's, right. Because the idea pre- is that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an antibody. Um, you know, so. Did you end up donating your plasma? I did donate my plasma and uh, I got They've been hitting me up like I get calls every single day. <laughs> every 28 days you can yeah so you can give your plasma because they did find out i believe that plasma does help patients because they're getting your antibodies so yeah and it could be like a life or death death thing for some patients i've i've heard so every 28 days i can get plasma and uh you know what i'm in i'm in las vegas right now so i think when i'm going back to la i'm gonna do it again my wife is scared you know, because she said you still have lingering effects. She's very nervous about anything like any needles going into me, being around people that could possibly have it. Yeah. You know, so she really worries about me. But I think, you know, I'm down to do it again. You know, uh, I would love to do it again because well, as long as I can help out and it doesn't affect like uh, she doesn't want me to because some days I'm still tired. Some days I'm great. So she goes, I would hate for you to give it and get some or you know, it just takes a lot out of you that yeah. day or yeah. a couple of days, you know, so. I just thought it was crazy because my neighbor was telling me about this. One of the one of the people I know who got COVID. And I do think it's crazy. Like, this is where my conspiracy brain gets a little gets a little nuts because I'm like, this isn't something I hear about. I haven't heard about in the media a lot about donating your plasma if you had COVID and how it could be a life or death thing for people. And I'm like, why are we not publicizing this more? And then that's where I'm like, OK, well, this is going to be eventually a huge paycheck for someone when they do end up for a lot of people when they do end up finding a vaccine. But I just wish more people knew about donating their plasma to potentially save other people's lives. I don't know if they know if it really does yet, but I think it's, but I think it's a, I I don't, but they know it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's right now is people's best chance, you know, along with what they learn. And there are studies where it does help, but it's not like, oh, if I give my plasma, they're going to recover. Well, look, they're publishing the article saying maybe you could get it again. Maybe you can't. Why are they (laughs) publishing more articles about the plasma being like, maybe it could save someone's lives. Maybe it couldn't, you know? You know why? Because I feel uh, good news, positive news does not get a lot of clicks where that's why they that's why they made that a headline even if you got it you could get it again now people are like whoa let me click on this if they said plasma could help save your life so if you have some plasma please donate people like "Ah, whatever swipe (laughs) swipe (laughs) trash hit the little trash can symbol Oh man! Oh god, it's so true. But that's but that's the thing. It's like media wise, and that's why I just cannot get over this. It's the, all this stupid YouTube shit is because. Oh yeah. I I keep thinking about all these these kids. Like for instance, Jake Paul throwing this huge party. Oh, no. So Jake Paul and Logan Paul, they both got called by a friend who they had both hung out with in the past week, saying, "I have COVID," and both of them are being recorded, and they're like. Uh, well, I don't give a fuck. And then literally <laughs> we're hosting par- dinner parties and parties oh, yeah. within days but, of 
And, but here's the problem. Here's yeah. the problem. Those guys, they do that for attention. And they're the people that latch on to them. You know, they're young. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. 80% of people don't get affected by it. Let's yeah. be honest. 80% of people. And I'm not blind to that. So that means eight, eight out of 10 people won't be affected at all by COVID. That, that's the latest I heard. So, I mean, if you have a party with 200 people, they could pass it along to be, and it's terrible sure. for them to pass it to other people potentially, but people are selfish in America. Yeah. yeah and That's also imagine being 21, you've been in a quarantine yeah. for five well, months. And you're literally made of money and probably very disillusioned <laughs> to how most people live their lives. And, Absolutely. And it's like, I'm just bored. I'm still making tons of money and now I've just been bored inside. So this is a funny thought. I never thought in my entire life that I would complain about too many wine choices, but 2020 has been a surprising year. So here we are. There are too many wine choices. They say you can't have too much of a good thing, but in the case of wine, I disagree because every time I go to the store, I am overwhelmed at the amount of bottles and grape varieties. I want to try them all, but I don't know where to start and I don't know which ones I'm going to like. And let's be honest, life is too short to be drinking wine you don't love. And that is why I get my wine from First Leaf. First Leaf Wine Club is the wine subscription service everyone needs in their life. You start by taking a quick online quiz to assess your current wine drinking preferences. You'll answer questions about how you like your coffee, what type of food you enjoy eating, so they can create a taste profile that's specific to you. Then First Leaf will send you six expertly picked bottles of wine based on your answers. I'm partial to white wines, and since using First Leaf, I have gotten so many bottles that I would have never picked up in the grocery store that are now some of my absolute favorites. And the coolest part is as you rate each bottle in your subscription, First Leaf will use that feedback to dictate future orders. So as time passes, your deliveries will get even more specific to your palate. Um, and I've created the perfect six pack of wine because of First Leaf. Uh, but if you ever get a bottle that you don't love, First Leaf has a 100% satisfaction guarantee and they're going to cover that cost. You are going to feel so fancy finding all these delicious new wines and being able to throw them around at parties in the future, your Zoom calls. Throw around those fancy names. Uh, so sign up today to get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Yes, indeed, I said it. These bottles of wine are typically about $20 per bottle normally. But with First Leaf, with this code, you're going to get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Amazing. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 at tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. So depending on where you are in the world, things may be starting to open up again or restrictions may be starting to loosen, but that doesn't mean we still really don't need to be cautious as we are talking about right now um, in the podcast and really intentional about how we go about normal everyday activities. Um, for my family, that has meant avoiding unnecessary trips out of the house, like swapping out waiting in line at a post office for handling business right out of our living room with stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office, whether you're a small business sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or returning all those impulse online shopping purchases. Hello, I'm guilty. Uh, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You can use your home computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, 
anywhere you want to send it. Uh, once your mail is ready, just leave it at your mail carrier. It's that easy. Or leave it for your ma- mail carrier, excuse me. And even better, with stamps.com, you'll get discounted rates that aren't even available at the post office, like five cents off every stamp and up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. That is huge. Stamps.com, stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. Uh, right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in chatty. That's stamps.com. Enter code chatty. My biggest thing is beyond them even spreading it, because I know it was like, you know, obviously you're like, oh my gosh, this could be like mm-hmm. a COVID pit, and then someone gets it, and then it's like spreading it to tons of people. That's huge, but also my thought is just more like for the the youth of America, for the youth, the millions of millions of children and teenagers who watch all these YouTube stars and see their favorites, the Paul brothers, James Charles, Nikita Dragon, all these people that are like actually filming themselves and posting it yeah. at these parties. I'm like. Motherfucker, if you're going to do it, at least don't post about it. <laughs> like, but also, party. but also it's like, then you remember who the fuck are we dealing with? Yeah. Like a Logan Paul who's in a suicide force. But you're like, oh, dead body. Yeah. hanging from trees. Like well, these aren't these aren't the role models of America already. Exactly. You know, and, but True. but a lot of people look up to him and yeah. it is what it, it you know, that's that's what it is. And I, I just feel that. You know, we all did stupid stuff when we were 21. But the stupid stuff I did wouldn't kill a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a thing where they just got to be responsible. And it's hard. It's so hard to, to, you know, I I work for a radio station, Sirius XM. Like we play old school music. So I play like early hits from the 2000s and they have vitamin C graduation song. And my graduation song was even further back than that. It was Boz Lerman. Everybody wears sunglasses. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you know that song, but it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but when I listen to that song today, I remember listening it for the first time and going, oh, that's BS. And now when you yeah. listen to it, you like, it's such a true yeah. song. Like they talk about how you think you can, you think you're going to be this and you wind up being this. You don't treat people right. And this will happen. And this, and mm-hmm. this. I mean, it's fantastic. But everybody on your chatty broads, all you broads, you need to listen to Boz Lerman. <laughs> Everyone wears sunglasses. <laughs> if you're 35 and up and you will see, just go back to your high school and think about, and think about yeah. how, if you heard that type of stuff, you'd be like, it's all garbage. So these 21 year olds are like, I'm going to live forever. When I was in my twenties, I never so thought about true. dying. You don't think about dying in your 20s. You're just like, well, we're going to have fun. No, because your prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed until you're like 25. You literally in your brain cannot comprehend the future outcomes and consequences of your no. actions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so but once you get over like 35, I feel, and then you have a family or as soon as you have a family, you want to be around. For sure. You know, yeah. Unless you just hate your family. <laughs> <laughs> True. But I, then you start thinking, oh, I need to be around as long as possible. Like my my dad was he was I don't want to say he was unhealthy. But when I had my kids, I told him, I want you to be around as long as possible mm-hmm. for my son and daughter, you know, and then he changed his ways of life because then you start thinking about stuff like that. These 21 year olds, it's party hard. I want to be in a Logan Paul or Paul, whatever 
video because yeah. I may get more followers. That's what it's about right now. Yeah. And I'm young and I can beat this thing even if I get it, F it. And I, it, 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 that's just young people being stupid. And I will say when I was young, I was stupid too, you know? <laughs> So it's true. I can't judge if I was if I was 19 and was given the option to go to one of these parties. I mean, I'd hope 19 year old Justin Justin say no. But I mean, if we got a request right now, you you wouldn't be like, well, I'd be like, bye, bitches. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're just with our microphones, the chatty (laughs) to Logan's house. (laughs) Oh, man, I would love that would be hilarious to catch y'all two in the background of a Logan Paul video. (laughs) We're just holding four locos, like trying to play it cool. We've got the kids and we're just like champagne. Just like, I will be young again. Hey, also, speaking of which did you have a little boy or a little girl i had a boy and a little girl we we just had a little girl her oh. name is elise because you guys were oh. waiting to find out right until last yeah, time we saw you. We, i remember in the delivery room as soon as they held her up and said it's a girl i started bawling like oh. literally uncontrollably bawling because i knew how bad my wife wanted a girl mm. and I looked at the baby. I was like, oh, my God, baby, Uh, who's the father? Because this baby (laughs) is white. Like, literally, for any broads listening, go to my Instagram at Michael Yo. Look at my daughter. It looks nothing like me. Nothing. My son, exactly like me. My daughter, exactly like my wife. You're actually bawling in the delivery room because you're like, this isn't my kid. This isn't mine. I'm crying. This is not my child. Oh. But uh, but it, she's beautiful. She's great. And it's different. I, I can definitely say it is different having a girl than a boy. Like I'm so careful with her, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I'm watching her all the time where my son, I just, you know, oh yeah, go, go over yeah, there. That's, or whatever, also, you know? that's also a newborn versus toddler. I got to say that's that true. too, because I'm dealing with that right now. My daughter's 18 months and I'm like is she in the house like is she in the back- <laughs> I think she's in the backyard all right we're good we're good no knives okay I found yeah. her literally a screw was coming out of the outlet yesterday and she was just oh. sitting there like playing with it I don't know how that worked out for her I'm glad she's still with us but you know it's like two different priorities then you have this fragile little newborn thing you're like oh my god like yeah but but you know it's different the second time around. Like we didn't read any books. We have it there. You know, the first one you read everything. Second one is just like, all right, we got this. And figure it out. With the, and with the baby girl, like what was interesting is every morning, because uh, I wake up before my family, and every morning my wife will bring out my daughter, and she will stare at me till I say hello to her. Like <laughs> follow me. Like already, no, you better address me, daddy. <laughs> Like, like she just stares at me God, that'd be correct. because How? sometimes I'm doing stuff. So I'm walking around and say, Hey honey. And I go, Hey, at least, but I don't look at her. Yeah. And phys- I physically have to make eye contact with her or she will just follow me everywhere. <laughs> like, and then I'll go dad. And then I'll go, then I'll go. Yeah. I'll look at her and go, Hey, at least. And then she go, and she kind of <laughs> nod and just look off. Like, <laughs> How old is she when you were hospitalized? Oh man. Uh, well, she's eight months now, so two months. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Your poor wife. So that's wife. why it was like this girl. Well, just think about all the stories you hear of parents, like a father or a mother that die of it and they have newborn kids. Ugh. That kid will never know who they are. Yeah. And that's what's like, I, 
I tell everybody I'm not worried about dying. I'm more worried about my kids not knowing who I was, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. dying is part of life. You know, we're all going to die. But dying before your kids know yeah. who you are. Oh, that crushes me. And well, no, they really know note. how much you love them. <laughs> on that note, thank you for your time, Michael. This has been a positive and uplifting experience. I'm sure our views will be great. <laughs> Michael, no, are you kidding me? We're just the most happy that you're here. We'll just do a clickbaity. We'll just do a clickbaity title. Like, Michael, yo, rec- resurrected from the grave after yeah. COVID. No, is Michael, yo, God resurrected too? <laughs> oh well, Michael, thank you so much for joining. We're gonna have to have you on um, at some point to talk Bachelor because this. Let me tell you. Like, 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 hold on, hold on. I. I need time off after Peter. I just need time off. <laughs> well, you got it. <laughs> because, you got that yeah, time well, off after Peter. That was, that was the the Lord was like, I'm going to save your life and take the bachelor off. So <laughs> God knows we needed it too. Honestly, I was like, at the beginning of this year, I was like, holy shit, we're going to do this bachelor season. Then we're going to jump into paradise and bachelor- this shit's going to be nuts. Oh, God. Well, let me tell you, I told Jess at the beginning, Peter was not a great choice and she was all about peter we were we were end, pro peter uh-uh yeah and at the end i i knew it i i knew his intentions his mom is the thirstiest mom <laughs> i've ever seen in my life this i was like just give her a five gallon uh water uh container because this woman's thirsty she's she's a Sweet camel she, yeah she's a camel she didn't just start just drinking up everything. And so it's like, all right. You know, she was coming for Chris it, Harrison's job. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you wanted her own TV show. Oh, yeah. this, like my mom would never be in my shots going, oh, oh. <laughs> like my mom's Asian. She'd be like, oh, so camera on me too. Okay. Okay. Is this my shot? Is this my shot? How, how I look? I look good? Okay. Okay. Okay, Peter, you can come in. No, she would never. <laughs> Mom would never do that, <laughs> but she was thirsty. But hey, I'm sure that I'm sure they're a great family. Did like I got so disgusted with this. I, I'm not. I, I shouldn't be talking about this, but I got so disgusted with the season. I just stopped watching. I don't even know if he got engaged. I don't even know what happened. Well, he did. This season really like crumbled. It crumbled. He got engaged. He he wanted to propose to Maddie, but she left. So then he ended up proposing to Hannah Ann. And then after he proposed to Hannah Ann, a few months later, he got together with Hannah Ann and told her, I don't he think he's still in love I'm with still Maddie. in love with Maddie. So he broke up with Hannah Ann and then he went and met up with Maddie. And then him and Maddie did the after the final rose together. And then they lasted for about two days. Two days. They broke up like the day after final rose. And now oh. he's he's been dating Kelly. Remember Kelly, the attorney? Oh my God. He's no. <laughs> yeah, he's been wait, dating wait. Kelly for months now. So wait, what happened to the producer? Wasn't there a producer involved too? That was all that was just, just speculation. Yeah, speculation. Oh, speculation. So now yeah. Kelly. Now it's right. Kelly. Yeah. And Whatever. and, and uh, Barb Sweetnums approves. Yeah, she the loves Kelly. Approves. She posts well, about Kelly all the thank time. God. Yeah. <laughs> thank God she approves. Yeah. Because uh, is she, her husband's still alive, right? Or no? Yes. Yeah. Barely. Yeah, because if he wasn't, man, she would they would make a show for her. She'd be like all about it. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, She's, I'm glad they seem but here's the thing. They seem like a great family. Yeah. It's just you know people that have been on TV for the first time that just wants that attention. And that that mother, 
I would look at my wife. I was like, that woman is thirsty. She She's wants a, to she, be one of the new Real Housewives yep. of Beverly Hills, which ah, I would sense. not hate if they cast her for that. She'd the Real be Housewives fantastic. of Woodland Hills is what Woodland she's vying for. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think See, that's where they I live. I mean, if she's going it? for that, she, she would totally fit that. Yeah. She would yeah. totally fit that. Just or they could start a new one, new show called Thirsty, and uh, and then just have a bunch of moms that are thirsty. You know that. I mean, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. You'll catch me at one of Jake Paul's latest parties. <laughs> Actually, well, that's a good idea. Momager. That's that's a good that's a good reality oh, TV show. Good. The Momagers. I think MTV did that. Oh really? Really? Well, they I need to do so. it better because I, I haven't heard of it. So <laughs> <laughs> they need a. Need to try harder. Well, Michael, we love you. We are so grateful you are with us and yes. with your family. And Thank you. Um, you can you plug away so that the broads oh, yeah, know where to find away. you? So the first thing, please, please, please follow me on Instagram at Michael Yo. Uh, I want to get to a level where I could hold some tea and then get paid for it. So yeah. that's my goals in life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I want to, I want products I can sell. Yes. So please everybody follow that. And the other thing is my podcast, Michael Yo show on iTunes. I, I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, it, it's, it's You've just a way to look. Yeah. Great guests. Come on. My next one's going to be about my AGT experience, you know? So yeah, yes. how I got booted off the show. It was amazing. Uh, <laughs> you were in there for a while though. You were in there for a hot minute. I was, but you know what's crazy is I forgot the first joke when I came out for the semifinals. I literally blanked oh, on the first no. joke, and that's why I was like, duh, duh. And then, I, anyway, it's a long story. But <laughs> uh, I, I just tell everybody it's COVID related, my yeah. memory loss. So, and, then, and then they're like, okay. Lingering so symptoms, it. yeah. <laughs> lingering, lingering. So that's what it is Instagram and my podcast. And, and we will have those Michael in Yell. the episode notes, broads. All righty. Well, well, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. We love you. Thanks for coming. Tell the family we too. say hello. I will. I will. And Y'all with, be good. And with that, chat soon, broads. Chat soon, broads. <laughs> Bye.